Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and it is The Stacks Book Club Day, and the wait is finally over. We are diving headfirst into our first ever Russian classic. That's right. It is Anna Karenina time. We brought back Jenny Lee, author of Anna Kay, a modern-day retelling of Anna Karenina, and her latest book, Anna Kay Away, to help us break down this behemoth of a novel. There will be spoilers, so if you haven't read Anna Karenina yet and you don't want to know what happens, pause this now and go read about 811 to 1,000 or so pages, depending on your edition, and then come back. We'll be here. Be sure to listen to the end of today's episode to find out what our book club pick will be for June. And you'll tune in next week to find out who our guest is for that discussion. If you're a fan of The Stacks and want to participate in our monthly virtual book club, join our community of other book lovers and get discounts on merch, head over to Patreon to join The Stacks Pack. Go to patreon.com slash The Stacks. I could not make the show without the incredible humans of the Stacks Pack. And this week, I'm giving a special shout out to some of our newest members. Kelsey Marshall, Marissa, Dina Samimi, Christine Mandeville, Kendra Armour, Caitlin Burke, Annie, Brinda Guramuthi, Nicole Thomas, and Naima Ibrahim. Thank you all so much for your support of this podcast. All right, now it's what you've all been waiting for, our discussion with Jenny Lee about Leo Tolstoy's Anna Karenina. All right, everybody. I'm so excited. Can you tell? I'm sitting here in the same room looking at the beautiful, wonderful, (laughs) genius Jenny Lee, author of Anna Kay and Anna Kay Away. We're talking about Anna Karenina today. Jenny, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here too. I just, this is like the best day of my life. I feel like I recorded a podcast in person for two and a half years and then didn't. And now having you here is just like, it's amazing. This is our first time meeting, but we met on on Instagram. Yeah, for so, so long, like so the, long ago at the beginning of the pandemic nightmare. Um, okay, so we're talking about Anna Karenina. We've both read it. People listening, we're gonna spoil the book. So if you haven't read it, pause. You have about eight hundred to a thousand pages ahead of you, depending on your edition, and then come back. Um, and if you don't care and you're never going to read it, then listen and enjoy us talking about this book. Um, so we always start in the same place. 
what did you what do you think of Anna Karenina? I mean, I feel like you're going to have a more complicated answer than just generally, but go ahead, give it a shot. I've always loved this book. I read it when I was 15. So now I've read it three times, but this last time, just recently, I listened to the audiobook for the first time with Madge, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Gyllenhaal. I say Gyllenhaal. Okay, Gyllenhaal. She did an excellent job. So it was really such a different experience to hear it. So I want to know what you think because you're a okay. first-time reader. I'm so a first-time reader. I have a lot of thoughts. I thought it was a fine book. Okay. I was not as impressed as I was hoping that I would be. I have a lot of problems with the ending. Part eight. Yes. Is bullshit. <laughs> um, like, I, I mean, just to spoil it right off the bat, I don't understand how you can kill your quote unquote main character in part seven and then have part eight have like six sentences about that. And then everyone just moves on and talks about like your dead brother's book or whatever, or your living brother's book. Like, it just really pissed me off. So I had a lot of feelings about that. And I I I know everyone thinks it's really juicy. I thought it would be more juicy. I know because I probably because everything that you've seen or obviously reading Anna Kay, but obviously like any movie you've seen, it's always all they center is like the juicy part, right? Yeah. And that book is 800 plus pages. And I feel like their story is like less than everyone else's story. I agree. Yes. Like I don't, I mean, one of my main questions that I wanted to talk about yeah. today is do you think that Anna Karenina is the main character of this book? I think she's the center of the book. I mean, in terms of main character, Levin is Tolstoy. Like, I think that he's yeah. using okay. that as his spokesperson yeah, yeah, yeah. or his mouthpiece. So I think as a man right. <laughs> who's just wanting to spout out all of his thoughts on every single thing, right? right. Yes. Like, he, you learned everything that yes. he thinks about agriculture, politics. So many details. So many details. And then, yeah, no, a thousand percent. I think like Levin is hit. Did, okay, this is sort of a weird connection. Yeah, yeah. But did you see the movie this year, um, The Trial of the Chicago Seven? The Aaron Sorkin? Yeah. 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 I felt like Aaron Sorkin, I feel like Leo Tolstoy and Aaron Sorkin are the same. <laughs> Do you know? Like, they're like, let me tell you about everything I've ever thought. And like, let me tell you every single word possible about this one topic. And I'm going to put it through the voice of my character. But really... It's just me. And and I'm just going to have Eddie Redmayne say everything I think about liberals. And like, it just, it's that same vibe of like, we're talking about something, but really I'm telling you what I think about politics. Like everything. Yeah. Everything. He really, you know, this book was actually serialized. It came out in a magazine in those eight parts oh. before it turned into a novel. So, and then, but then I was like, wow, there's some slow episodes. Do you know what like, I mean? Imagine reading this and re getting to part three and being like, mm, it's a no for me, Leo. Like <laughs> the grain. I cannot tell you how many people on Instagram were like, it's sort of getting slow about like agriculture. <laughs> I mean, I was like, yeah, just skim, keep going. I know. I guess, you know, I was thinking about it, you know, obviously listening to it again and knowing. And then when I read it when I was 15, right, my sister had taken Russian lit and she sent it to me and I was grounded for like forever, basically. Okay. I borrowed the parents' car without permission. It was awesome, awesome, awesome. I had nothing to do. So I read it and I did a deep dive. But I mean, I'm sure I skipped over all of that stuff. <laughs> do you remember that from your first read? No, I only remember the Anna Bronsky stuff. I don't remember caring about Kitty or Levin and Dolly. I mean, right. any of them. Any of it. Really, I only sort of remember that tragic thing. And she was, it was so, the book is much, much sadder and more tragic for Anna than Anna Kay ever was, yeah. is, you yeah. know, et cetera. So I think that really stuck with me because I was like a teen and so into angst and terror right. and sadness. 
So right. I think it just was like my thing at the time. Yeah. I skimmed I skimmed some of the love and stuff because I think you warned me. Yes. And then I think someone else when I announced the book was like, there's a lot of stuff that's like pretty boring. And I was like, okay, I have to read this book. I'm going to power through. And I know myself and I don't really like fiction. And so when I got to stuff that I was like, this is weird. I just was like, okay, grain, 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 wheat, wheat, wheat. Okay, he's cutting the lawn, like, go, go, go. And then it would be like, Anna. And I'm like, yes, I made it through. Did you get to the part, though, when he was cutting the grain and then he was, like, going through all these things because he was so in love with, like, Kitty still and he was all sad and mopey about yeah. it. And then he was thinking, like, oh, should I marry a peasant girl and all that? And then he saw her, though. Yeah, and she's, like, And then there's past. that one moment that it reawakens everything. So it's, like, these tiny moments yeah. of, like, great romance but it's like buried in the thing which yeah. is what i was noting when i was listening to it. and i was like oh wow there really is a lot there's a lot <laughs> there's pages well so the other thing that mm -hmm. i did which i so rarely do but i do do it when i read my shakespeare is that i also was looking at the cliff's notes okay so after i would read a section i would go into my cliff's notes and read it just to make sure that i didn't miss anything like that I that if there was parts where I was sort of getting bored and right. going fast that I would go back and read the okay. Cliff's notes just to make sure. And a lot of the Cliff's notes skim over that shit too. It's like Levin's in the fields working with pe with peasants. Then he sees Kitty blah 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 and it was like that's actually nine chapters. Yeah. <laughs> like so what are we doing? He has um, the most real estate by far. For sure. For sure. I mean I I feel like he's the protagonist. I I mean he's the emotional protagonist. I think that like Anna and Ronsky and who I was calling Mr. K because right. I the other Alexi, right. I don't know. Um, they move the story. Like Levin, there's no not a lot of movement in his story. Right. But he, I feel like, I mean. It, He's uh, the moral center of like, I'm yes. the judgment of like everybody. Yeah. And then apparently this story came about, especially the Anna stories, because there was some woman who had had an affair mm. that did kill herself by train and that um, uh, in his like neighborhood or wherever he lived etc and so that he became obsessed with that story of the tragedy of so this it woman. really is like his story and then his obsession right. that's so interesting i mean it makes and his sense. judgment with of like her right her. basically like because that was like she kind of had no other choice she was a fallen woman that's what makes it so sad to me right is right. that like how badly her life spiraled out by you know right it's interesting that you say that now because now I'm right. thinking about some of the scenes that I that like stuck out in my mind and thinking like, oh, that makes sense why this scene would be so weird. Like, for example, one of the scenes that I still can't stop thinking about is when Anna and Mr. K mm -hmm. are like in the carriage or whatever. And he's like, what's going on? And she's like. You're right. I don't like you. I'm <laughs> fucking this other guy. And I actually, I can't stand you. And you disgust me. And I was like, whoa, like, I feel like you could have said that a little yeah. nicer. Like, I like, I don't, I don't think he deserved all of that. And, and now when you're saying that, it makes sense because Tolstoy is probably like, what would this woman say? <laughs> like, how would she say it? And, you know, like, he's just like scandalizing this situation because that really, like, there's a few scenes like that where it really stood out to me as like, I don't know that that's how that would go. I think what was missing is that you didn't have the context of like enough of Anna and her husband's history, their yeah. romantic history, which is she was much younger than he right. was, right? They said somewhere like he's 20 years her senior or yeah, something. something. So you like have to that. think that like she married at 19 or something and he was like close well, to 40. Kitty was like 16, right? Right. right. And so, and she had gone like a few seasons before Kitty. Right. But 
she I think she got married after her first season. Right. So she would have been 16. 16. Right? Maybe. Yeah, I guess so. Possibly. I mean, give or take. Right. I was trying to figure out. And then the kid is like nine. So she's only in her early or mid 20s, late 20s at the latest. Right. Which makes him like in his 40s. And I think right. 40s at that point in time is basically like 70. Is like, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Right. The life expectancy is very different. It's like right. how Mad Men was like all of in the, all the characters. And I didn't watch. Oh, that. OK. <laughs> they were like all 20 something, but they seem like today's 40 somethings. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's just They're like, supposed to be 20 yeah. in Mad Men. Like, I mean, late I've seen 20s. pictures. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. John Hamm. Like, like he was supposed to be like 29 or 30. Those were all like wow. those career gray flannel suit men in their 20s. You get married at like 21. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I would think we needed more of their Context. story. Because also the book just dives right the fuck in. Right. So I read Anna Kay first, okay. as you know. And so when I started this and I got to like part two and I basically already knew how everything was going to go. I was like, how are there six more parts? <laughs> like, how do I have 650 pages left? Like, I, in my mind, when I picked this up, I thought that it was going to be basically Anna Kay. But like, so I thought there was going to be much more drawn out, like flirtation between her and Vronsky. I thought the romance was going to be a huge part of it. I thought we were going to understand why they liked each other. Like, I didn't feel like I got any of that from this book, even between Anna and Vronsky. Right. Like, it's like they meet, they talk at a party, Mr. K sees it, and he thinks it's fine. And then someone else is like, it's not fine. And then he confronts her, and then she's like, fuck you, I hate you, at a horse race. <laughs> and then, like, there's a paragraph there's where it was said that he was showing up at every event that she was at. Yeah. Just for a little bit. But, like, you have to seem like a couple. That was, like, yeah. a couple weeks or whatnot. Yeah. It and just, that was it. It was the, the buildup to Anna and Vronsky was just very, very, very quick. And I was thinking that it was going to be like longer and like sexier and like more tension. There wasn't a lot of tension. Right. And so I think that also threw me as like, I'm, I like a long book. I'm happy to read a long book, but I didn't feel like this book gave me enough juice, but I think maybe you ruined it for me because you gave me so much juice (laughs) that I just loved that I was like, Tolstoy, come on, get it together, my guy. <laughs> I think the juice between them, what I think, because I keep thinking about, like, why was I so into it? Yeah. And I feel like that I loved the part when they first meet and they both were equally smitten yeah. at the same time. Because to me, as a young girl, you're like, oh, I want a guy who's obsessed with me, sort mm-hmm. of, because that seems mm-hmm. romantic if a guy's, like, just totally smitten, right. like, from out of the gate. And, and as much as I want to be smitten with them, too, I like a mutual obsession right. crush type of thing so yeah. that's why i like that so it didn't ever feel one-sided that it's a girl who's just like madly loving yes. yeah i don't i never like those when the girl's just like pining for a guy and stuff i want it to be equal yeah so that's what i think i liked so much about yeah. their romance and i guess i put in so much of like my own sort of feelings into it because i don't sort of remember that it's there's very little of them in a way i think i fill yeah. it out in my head of like whatever i think's going on but i do think that my specificity and details i was like oh that's kind of like how i write right i do put in so many details and i was like people think i put in a lot of details we're knowing what the dog's thinking in every meal they're eating (laughs) there's so much fucking food yeah so it's like okay you guys get it together it's like and so also everything happens so late at night like there's a part where he mentions anna's kid goes to sleep at 10 p.m and then she goes out to some balls (laughs) i'm like 
do y'all not sleep? Like, isn't it cold in Russia? Don't you want to be in your bed? <laughs> I cannot. But he does have so many details. It must. I think Russia is like one of those places. I mean, I'm just speaking out of my ass right here. It must be like a late night. Because when I went to Spain that oh, yeah. first time, and I was like, oh, my God, everyone eats dinner at 10. I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. Here? So I, I think, think it's I think souls like that too, right? right? Super late night. Couldn't be me. Yeah. I like an early... <laughs> I like an early bird special. Like I need to be asleep by ten o'clock. Like when I saw that the kid was going to sleep at ten, I was like, "Ooh, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> my kids are asleep by seven. Like because I need to be asleep by nine. Right. <laughs> um, one of the things about well, since we already started with Anna and Bronski, yeah. then we'll kind of go back and talk about Levin for um, <laughs> Tracy just rolled her eyes, guys. Yeah, I cannot I stand. Saw. I just I just wasn't interested in Levin. I just am not interested. I don't care. And we can talk. I want to talk about his politics later. But okay. there's a scene. There mm-hmm. are some juicy scenes right. for sure. And besides the one in the carriage that I just talked about right. is the scene where Alexi just runs or Vronsky runs into Mr. K at their house mm-hmm. like that was a moment for yeah. me like there are definite the thing that was cool about the book is there were definite moments of me being like I cannot stop reading this I need to know how this plays out but almost every single one of those scenes sort of left me wanting more like I felt I wanted more drama right I don't know I just thought it was going to be so dramatic no, I'm like shaking my head. You're like, no, you I was led astray, I guess, somehow. I think I don't know why I thought that, but I think because people say that the Russians are like so dramatic. But I do feel like one of the things that Tolstoy does really well is that I think he makes complicated and not super likable characters. I think that that is really well done. Because I think sometimes when writers try to write like unlikable characters, they go into it being like, this person's unlikable. And I felt like these people were very human. Right. I was like, I know Mr. K. Like, I know. People like that. Yeah. I know people like Bronski. Like, I know a doll. I love Dolly. Right. Dolly is the best character in the book. Right. I think so. And also, I love Steven. Our Gravradovich. Right. The brother. Right. Also, Oblonsky. Yes, yeah, Oblonsky. Yeah. But he has Arca Divine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all have like 12 names. I know. And it's a struggle. <laughs> it's like I always, you know, when people will like say something to like someone who's like African or like has like an Asian name right. or something, and they'll be like, oh, how do you pronounce that? And I'm like, you guys can pronounce fucking Arca Divagayevich, yeah. but you can't pronounce like. <laughs> Kim? Yeah. What do right? you mean? Why is this hard? I get so annoyed because I'm sitting here reading this being like, I, I obviously Mr. K right. and like having, because he had some other names too. Yes. And then they also never really call Anna Karenina. Anna, Anna Karenina. Karenina. They call her Anna Arkadagavagava. Right. Because that's like her other name, yeah. but her, that's her, her family. That was the thing with Anna K. That's her married name. It wasn't technically her right. name. And since my Anna wasn't married, right. I had to change that right. part. Yeah, yeah. Well, so your characters and yeah, right. thirty five right. Except for exactly. Ronsky had yeah. his Russian, yeah, yeah. but you know, I feel like Tolstoy does a really good job of making these sort of like crunchy characters who are likable and also not. I feel like for the time, this is what written late eighteen hundreds yeah. in Imperial Russian. So I think it's like the stuff that he put in was scandalous for the time. And I think he yeah. had to pat it in yeah. within so much other stuff to be like, oh, this is a normal novel, so it's not going to get banned. And he was known as a serious writer. So right. I think that was probably why he had to do so much. And he's like, ooh, a little juicy part. Because it's like, oh, someone, I mean, that's what I was trying to do, pull out all the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then, 
Yeah. I mean, and there is good stuff and it is juicy. I just, you know, I'm 2021. I'm, I want like, cause there, (laughs) there was a part where they have sex, I think, Mm -hmm. but I was confused because I, I was just thought they like kiss. Right. <laughs> Turns out she's pregnant. Right. <laughs> like, I guess they've been having sex this whole time. But all of a sudden it was like, oh, she's with child. And I was like, how well, did they just happen? have their first kiss? <laughs> Turns out that was actually a sex scene. Right. I've been ruined. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm a whore. Like, I'm totally ruined this. <laughs> okay. Anna and Vronsky yeah. finally get together. Right. Instantly hate each other. A bummer. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because this time when I was listening to it, especially like, ah, I mean, she's kind of one of the first, like, a beginning of the opioid crisis, right? She like, I mean, she got worse and worse, right? Towards the end, it got really sad, but she was definitely addicted to morphine. And then she was spiraling out and it really turned tragic for her. And she, and you know, those moments when like Dolly, when she went to go visit them after she was a fallen woman and she was discussing how grand that house was, et cetera, but how happy and changed she was. So I do think she was happy, but I feel like, there's judgment in that from Tolstoy because, I mean, obviously she abandoned her child, basically. Right. She seems so not interested in the second child at all. At all. At all. I think it would rep- I think that daughter represented something to her, right? Because, I mean, right. yeah, she obviously loved her first child. And so it was just different. So I think there were these moments where it's like she clearly made a choice for love. It was just. Right. But was it love or, like, maybe was it just lust? Because they, like, went to six parties together and then she got pregnant and then, like, it just felt like. But they to, ran away together. Like, yeah, when they, they ran were, away together. So but I think then it they took started a year not liking so. each other. Right. Once they were together. Once she left Mr. K. Right. They didn't like each other. He he was annoyed with her. She was annoyed with him. I think it was like the tension of the situation also. You know, like stress makes it hard on a relationship. But to me, that felt also super, like, of course, spot on. You think that you want this thing. It's forbidden. Right. It's like sexy, whatever. And then you get it and you're like, oh, his feet actually smell just like Mr. Hayes. <laughs> and like, he's got, he's a drunk too. And like, he's annoying. I don't know. I, I just, felt like they were like equally always still obsessed. Like it was just one of those things. It was just doomed love. Meaning yeah. like, I love you, but like, there's all these problems and there's all these issues. I almost wish I didn't love you, but I can't like, right. I can't. She was so hyper-focused and obsessed with him, obviously up until the end. Also, even if she had fallen out of love with him, she couldn't tell anybody. She wasn't gonna be able to like undo that. They were going to have to ride that out no matter how it played out. Right. You know, because you can't be a ruined woman twice. Right. Like, well, she didn't really did. She didn't have any options to begin with. And then she somehow eked out this really not ideal option. And then from there, there wasn't like she was going to be able to like, oh, we broke up. She should have taken that first divorce because she, she had a chance yeah. at a divorce at one point in time. But then she was going to lose her son. So that was that choice. Right. So like every way she kept making sort of the wrong turn. And then it just, I think, you know, that time that there's always that scene where she went to like the opera and she's like, it'll be fine. And then she had no idea that everyone would be so, would be so mean, so mean. I mean, I mean it's so dangerous liaisons, right? We, they just I mean, iced we her. We knew up. they were going to be mean. Yeah. I don't know what she was thinking. Yeah. Was she already on drugs? By Probably. Then? I think Cause so. she started the drugs with the first baby, with the second, second baby. baby. Right. And then it seemed like she was like, oh, I only take it when he's not here or whatnot yeah. or when I can't sleep. But I think she was, yeah, having issues. I feel like there's a lot of mental health stuff in this book. Yes. Like there's a lot of depression. Levin is depressed. Kitty's depressed. Right. Um, 
obviously Anna's depressed. She's addicted to drugs. There's all of Levin stuff, like anxiety around mortality. There's all the like men a, are huge drinkers. All and the like, men yeah. are huge They're drinkers. Like, oh, but I think that's also Russian. like culturally yeah. Russian in the 1800s. Like, For sure. All they did was, they, I don't think they had like, I mean, I know in America, a lot of people drank alcohol because it was distilled and the water wasn't. Right. So who knows? But everyone was fucking wasted. Yeah. <laughs> like I need to know. I need to know what that vibe is like if your baseline is just drunk. Right. You know, like how drunk are you? Are you functioning normal or are you always functioning sort of tipsy? Like is every like if it's just a baseline drunk? I worked with someone who was a okay. baseline drunk. I mean, like literally solo cup at 10 just to function, like had to like continually yeah. have a little seems sort of fine. And then it just starts to deteriorate through the day, but like kind of functioning sort of. I mean, obviously don't know what right. they're like pre- but I wonder, like, do you make bad – I mean, you probably do make bad decisions if you're baseline drunk. But, you know, like, I'm thinking, like, tolerance-wise. Like, if I have one cocktail, I'm drunk. Oh, me too. But if I drank a lot all the time, maybe I would make, like, normal decisions or I still – I don't know because it's a depressive. So I yeah, feel like it maybe. probably is, especially if you're that far gone. Do the women drink? They don't re- – I mean, they do, but they don't – They must. But they weren't drinking like that in the book. Yeah, you didn't hear about it because it was the men that are social. Women at that time were property and had no rights. I mean, right. though they did have a lot of parties. At they least. were active. Yeah, yeah, they definitely. Scene. Yeah, and certain seemed like some of them were having. It also seemed like affairs where everybody was having an affair, right? Right. And then it was like she just fell in love. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's just so interesting, like the way that things like the drinking, the way that I think about it through today's lens right. versus like how it's written about like that it was just part of life and it's super casual and like even trying to compare it to someone that you know now or like someone that I know now or whatever it just feels like it doesn't even connect because I'm like I just don't I can't comprehend a society in which people are drinking like that like everyone right like not outliers it must just be a baseline I mean it must be like that's just the commonplace sort of thing and everyone sort of does it so then everyone like operates like from everyone yeah maybe yeah who knows and i don't think the alcohol was as strong then or maybe it was strong i don't know i don't know anything about alcohol as i mentioned (laughs) i have like one cocktail and i'm you're talking to the wrong person i'm I'm like we we fucking don't know um (laughs) okay i have have all these notes i like want to get to all these things because i know everybody i've everyone who read with us thank you thank you i can't believe i convinced we convinced you guys to do this. We're so irresponsible. <laughs> it's a classic. Hello. It is always voted as one of the it best. People said this is the greatest the novel of, of all time. time. Of all time. It makes every single list. I just, I don't read enough novels, I guess, because this one is not it for me. But I, I can't think, think it of... was the scope, right? Yeah. You have to think about how many relationships and like what you really got an entire like 360 view right. of that time. Right. But did Russia. you read, what's his other one? War and Peace or Crime no, and Punishment? I couldn't get no, through. Couldn't. Yeah. Crime and Punishment is Dostoevsky. Yes. I mean, aren't they all big in Alaska? They're all big. I know. War and Peace, I'm just not as into war, though I like war movies, weirdly. But I don't. I don't know. I just, I couldn't get into Mm. that one. I want, I, I, as I was reading this, I kept thinking, like, I wonder what Leo Tolstoy would think. Like, if he had imagined that we would still be reading this book. He said it was, I mean, from what I've read, it said he felt like this was his best work or this was his first real novel, I guess, grand and in scope and whatnot. So I think that's what he said. Sure. But I I guess I mean more like 
I think a lot of authors would say like one of their books is like their 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 best work, their thing. But like, do you think that in 150 years people are going to be reading your book and talking about uh, it? No. Like I want. I mean, he sort of has a big ego. I feel so right. maybe he did did believe that it would be a classic or whatever. But it's just interesting to think about. Yeah, how many years have people yeah. have been reading this? I, though I don't think people. So many people from Anna Kay was like, oh, never read Anna Kay. I don't even know what it's about. I mean, people didn't even know the end. I thought the end was super famous. I did not know the end. Oh, really? I knew that I knew it was a tragedy. Okay. So I knew someone died. And I think that I knew that I think the reason that I knew that Anna died in the original book is because I think in Gia Tolentino's book, Trick Mirror, she has this chapter about all these different literary heroines. Right. And I think she mentions, mentions it. So I sort of knew, but I would never have known, like, kills herself by train. Oh, you Like, that is, that was not, that was new information to me. Well, it was new information to me when I read your book. Because then I realized that it was a different, because I think you have an author's note that mentioned it. I always knew I wasn't going to have her die in my book. Okay, yeah. I feel like I knew that you had said that somewhere. So I knew that what you did was different. Also, I guess we just spoiled. Well, we didn't. I mean. Well, it's it's 800 years. (laughs) No, I meant your book. Oh, oh, oh. Well, sorry. We it's sort, okay. It's okay. That we, book came out a year ago too. We can't mm-hmm. you know spoilers forever. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be mad at me. You should have read Anna K by now. I've been telling you about it for a year. Like this is not on me. This is on you people. Okay, we have to talk about it since we're here. We have to talk about her death. Wait, before we do. One more thing. In section four, I believe it is, there's a lot of drama with Anna and Vronsky. Right. And Mr. K. And they go back and forth, and we hear from Mr. K, mm-hmm. and we hear a lot from Vronsky, we hear a lot back from Mr. K, and I don't think we ever hear from Anna in that section. That's about. like all like what she's going through. It's all about the two men and what they're going through in relationship to her. And I found that to be a very interesting choice because we do hear from her in other parts of the book and what she's going through. Right. And I don't know. It just really bothered me. I feel like at that point in time, they're negotiating like like as if she's property, which is yeah. what she was, right? Yeah. So that it was just about the men and their ego right. and how it works in society. I don't know if he's necessarily making a comment about it, except that I wonder if he really knew because she just seemed like she was always in denial. Like, I don't want to think about that. And yeah. I was like, really? Because you need to think you about it. Think You're about the it. center of it. Why can't you make any choices? But I kept wondering. I was like, oh, because she knew she couldn't. So is that why you just like, you're like, oh, why should I sit there and think about what I want? Because I don't have a say so in the matter. Right. Because no one gives her anything she wants, basically, which is what was so sad and drove to that tragic ending. Like she had no options. Right. And also, I do think Tolstoy was like, she was a bad woman and she must be punished. And this is her punishment. Didn't like her. Uh, Tolstoy didn't like Anna. I don't know if it's because I don't know if he didn't not. Or do you think he had sympathy for her, I guess, is probably a better way than like. Not really that much sympathy. I, not empathy. Maybe he yeah. kind of like under, you know, I think he realizes this is a life thing that happens and poor her. But I think she was like a fallen woman in his right. eyes. She made the wrong moral choice, you know, and this is the consequence. This is what happens to you. It's sort of like beware, sort of a little bit to me. That's how I read it. Yeah. Um, but it was so sad to me because it was like she fell in love for the first time. She didn't know it was obviously the first time she's ever had good sex or right. anything. She was right. smitten, right? So right. she was like obsessed and she had no choices. So that to me is what made it so 
sad when everything started going wrong. You just, yeah, yeah it was bad. Yeah. I thought a lot about whether Tolstoy was sympathetic to her. Do you, what not. do you think? I, I'm torn also because I feel like given the time and given what I know about even modern day men writing women, I didn't think he did a terrible job of writing her. Okay. Like I wasn't, sometimes I read a book and I'm like, this is what you think women talk like. like <laughs> are you kidding me? And I didn't have those yeah. vibes. Like I thought she was complicated. I, look, I thought it was a mess. Like, I, you know, I don't think that he, I don't know that this story is very sympathetic to women in general, but I thought that the way that he wrote her was not abhorrent. Like I wasn't disgusted by it. Like I am sometimes when I read fiction written by men about women. Totally. Neither was I. I think yeah. he just didn't have that much, but where I think he had a lot of sympathy for Dolly. Yeah. You know? And well, she, right. Because she was one who was cheated on. She right. wasn't the one who was out there and she was raising the kids and like doing her thing. And she might've been like his wife. And that is, I don't know if it was God's work in his eye, but you know, that's the right. highest thing for a woman right. to do is to be a good mother, et cetera. So that right. was another strike against Anna yeah. was really the whole ch children, which I yeah. know, which is one thing that obviously I couldn't cover in Anna Kay, which is what, you know, that's right. such a different. It's a whole other. Yeah. It's a whole yeah. other dynamic. And if they're like teen moms, that's a whole different dynamic too. And that really changes what Anna Kay would be anyways. I, I think it was the right choice not to have kids. Not to, like, to cut that part of it. Right. Yeah, cause because I wanted to make them teenagers also. Right. I also right. wanted it to be not as yeah. dark. Because this is a dark kind of yeah. a bummer book for him. Yeah, it's definitely a bummer. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that he, I think that no matter what his opinions of the women were, I think that he did a good job in writing Anna to be human and not a total villain and so for that I think that he did have some sympathy yeah. for her like he could see her plight I also think that he it makes sense you saying that this is based on a story in his real life because like I could see how you would get obsessed with the story and like create this whole person in your head right and it does she does feel like real but also kind of a little bit not tethered to reality like right. kind of a fantasy almost. Yeah. Cause he's probably trying to explore like what would drive a woman to then so tragically like throw herself in front of a train. I mean, of right. all the deaths of all. The deaths. Yes. That's. And then that, what's the horrible Ron or uh, Mr. K's horrible friend, the Christian woman. Oh, Lydia. What a nightmare. Eleanor. That was my Eleanor. Yes. <laughs> Fuck Lydia. Yeah. She was really a oh. nightmare. And I didn't think that Tolstoy had enough, bad things to say about her <laughs> i needed more of a judgment on her because she was horrible yeah she was horrible sorry lydia it's a no for me did you see ever watch the movie the anna yeah, karenina i've never movie? seen any of the movies uh, you should watch that one it, i'm not saying it's the best adaptation which one of the, the movie? one with kira Knightley? yes okay because at least i think her and vronsky were well done and i thought you Law did a pretty interesting job of making him like oh he's so uptight Wait, and boring jude law plays, plays her Levin. husband no oh, no no plays, plays mr k yes Huh. I would never have thought in a million years to cast Jude Law. I know. I could have I would have cast Jude Law as literally every other male character in this thing. Wait till you see that old timey condom that he pulls out. Wait, there's condoms? In it. There's like a little thing he pulls out of a box in the movie that is basically a condom for them to like not poo out. And then she's like, Not tonight, dear, and he's like puts it back in a little box. Ew, it's really ew, like ew, 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 I wanna die right now and I haven't even seen it. Yeah. But the clothes <laughs> and the jewelry are amazing. Okay. Believable. I did have an intention to watch it 
before we recorded, but I sort of forgot that I had that intention. But the Underground Railroad thing came out, yeah. and you know, there's other stuff going on. <laughs> sports, <laughs> live sports. Yeah. yeah, I just, you know, it's not my thing. Um, okay, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We have to talk about Anna's death. That's where we left off. Very tragic. Very sad. I read a whole book called Anna Karenina. And the fact that Leo Tolstoy did not even give me the courtesy of hearing from everyone about their grief or their opinions and instead, I had to read about Levin's brother's book in Section 8. Infuriating. Like, I, I can't even. <laughs> How is that the ending of the book? Because he thinks he's the ending of the book. And that was the whole. But what even journey. was the ending? I don't even know what Section 8 was about. 
They they did the whole thing with Vronsky. You got to hear him that he was like he wretched. was distraught. Yes, he was and distraught. His mom he was, was going asshole. to war, and he was like basically uh-huh. like didn't want to live anymore. He and was like, like leading the troops. Yeah, he's going back whatever. to Serbia because he was like had no purpose, and then he didn't eat for three weeks, and he was really devastated over it, etc. So, but I, but that was like six paragraphs max, right? And this book is so long, and I read all of it waiting for the fallout, and you give me six paragraphs. I, a rage. I was raging. <laughs> True confession, audiobook. I have one hour left. So oh. I didn't get to the very, very end, though I do remember the ending. Isn't the ending where he gets to where Levin and who really there's like this big storm and then he realizes that, that he, he wants to be a Kitty. father and he loves her yeah. and that that he almost believes in God again. Yeah, sort there's of, some right? weird, There's like, a religious sort yeah. of experience about like where he's just so in his head all the time about right. like politics and all these things and judging everything that he finally like had his transcendental whatever yeah moment and i was like oh so that's the end i know it is like kind of shocking that, that for that's... the book called levin not called anna karenina <laughs> like i just i can't imagine writing a book about a person allegedly and then them having this incredibly devastating suicide by train moment and then being like blackout Q lights, Levin reading a book about his brother, like casually bumping into Vronsky's mom. Did Levin, did they ever discuss Levin's viewpoint on Anna? Because I can't remember at the I very don't, end. I think they might have mentioned. I think Because did that not trigger his, I'm sure it should, in TV, it would have triggered his. His love of life. Whole thing. Right. right. No, but those, the it stuff about Anna was very early in section eight. And then the stuff about the storm is like the very, very end of section eight. And uh, Stephen Arkadagavagovich Oblonsky, <laughs> he comes in and he's the one who I believe tells Levin. Oh, that Anna died? No, I think. Oh, no. Levin runs into um, Vronsky's mom at right. the train right. station again. All, she's only at the train station, right. that woman. She's just very busy traveling <laughs> a lot. And she tells him and Steven, I believe, about Vronsky. And like Vronsky's also on the train somewhere else. Train. Yeah. And that he's been very sad, but now he's doing better because he's going found to war. war because he wants course. to die. If you can't find love, go find war. It makes lots of sense. Um, and then I think that like, I don't remember if Levin had strong feelings about it. That was not made clear to me. It just was really, I don't really unsatisfactory mean- for me, the ending. Like I just didn't, I wanted to have this, moment of like oh she's gone and the world is worse because of it or she's gone and the world is better because of it or she's gone and I I don't know I she's your main character allegedly like the book is about her it just felt like bummer I think he uh, this is my thoughts I do think that Tolstoy believed that the world was in better order then like, because after that she's died and this is like how it's supposed to be and everyone could move on. Like they, this immoral thing is like snuffed out. Sort yeah. of. I mean, it was so tragic. It was like, she just was spiraling at the end when you really read it closely. I mean, she just like was so jealous and so like crazy. And then he didn't get her telegram and then, and she right. was just distraught. And I mean, sadly, I mean, I have like a, my father had committed suicide. So I, and it's not similar in any way, but it, there is this thing of where sometimes it turns into a what's super sad when it's obviously someone's depressed and distraught, et cetera. And it turns into a panic move over a missed circumstance, which is what I felt like that was too. Yeah. And it's like, I do think he loved her. I believe that he loved her and that she loved him. And they just, I don't know if it could have worked out. Yeah. But I do think 
I do too. I, I think, I do think that they loved each other. I think that it was really sad and tragic. And I, I mean, I enjoyed reading that part and that was like the juiciest part for me of the book, that sort of missed connection, her spiraling, the letters, the telegrams, like him thinking that she was just being dramatic and her feeling like, you know, she's created this reality that is, is somehow Never going to work. She had yeah. no options. I think she really felt like she had no options at yeah. the end, which is super sad because that so was the sad. thing. It's like you make one mistake and then society judges you in this way. And so that was my right. whole thing where I was like, that has to change for women, especially. Right. Like, it's just such a terrible place for anyone to be in. So, right. And I think that that's what's so frustrating about the way the book ends is right. that there's this opportunity for some sort of commentary on it. And I guess to your point is like maybe Tolstoy's commentary was like good riddance. Now the world can continue. Maybe. You know? Possibly. Or, and also I think because it was serialized, I'll have to check. But I do think that part eight was written much later. So he finished the book with that ending. Right. And then he was like, oh, one more serialized chapter to make yeah. money. And then yes. what should I write about? I don't know. <laughs> like, me I, to me, it's like, oh, what should I write about? I don't know. The aftermath of this major public suicide. Like it's in a public place. It's a big deal. Like it just left me really feeling bummed in a way that was not the kind of bummed I wanted to feel. Right. I wanted to feel sad about her death and like the, you know, how senseless the suicide was and how emotional everyone is. And instead it was like, I'm bummed because I just read 700 pages and I have 100 pages left and I have a sense we're not getting to the thing that I want to get to. Right. But there is that one great sentence where Vronsky's mom is like, she ended as such a woman deserved to end. Even the death she chose was mean and low. Yes. Like, talk about mean and low. Yeah, Ms. seriously. Mrs. Vronsky coming in with mean. the hot takes. Holy shit. Um, okay. We have to talk about some of the other people in this book, I guess, because, you know, again, I asked you guys to read this book and I'm trying to give you everything you want. But Kitty and Levin. Okay. They're a little love story. I mean, Levin was basically just a no for me in general. Like, I just – Levin was – he's a, like, horrible Republican. He's a horrible rich person who goes and works one day in the field and thinks he – like, oh, now these people have humanity to me. Like, go fuck yourself. Like – just truly I, his politics really irked. Like there was just so much about him that I was, you know, over him. I was just over him. And I also blame you a little bit because Dustin in your book is really great and lovable. Yeah. And so I thought I was really going to like Levin. I was going to be like, oh, he's like this great, lovable, like kind of awkward kid. No, he's, I mean, he definitely is awkward and like maybe on the spectrum right. in some ways. Levin, very intense, not very good socially, which are all character traits that I personally love. And like, I I'm down for that kind of character, but I, his politics were bad, right? Really bad. And I had to read about wheat with him. So much wheat. So I didn't so much agricultural so much. And I'm like, he's not even in the fields really. Like, why are we like, he's, you know, and I guess I don't know nearly enough about Russian politics, et cetera. So this, let me just give this disclaimer. I guess this is about like communism and <laughs> capitalism and stuff. I have no fucking clue, but that's what I was gathering. Yes, and the whole act. I mean, I couldn't tell you. Yes, we don't know. Yeah, yeah, we this, don't know. This, we're going to stay in our lane here. Yeah. That's what we think. I know some of you wanted us to talk about the politics part of it, and I can't really talk about the um, intricacies. Yeah, of of 1800s Russian 
policy and political parties, et cetera. But what I can tell you is that the way that I read it in 2021 was he's a horrible Republican and he definitely would vote for Trump. Mm. Mm. He's a horrible Republican and he definitely would have voted for Mitch McConnell and said he didn't like Trump and he wrote in someone else for president. (laughs) That's what he would do. Like he supports the Republican Party. Right. He's okay with all the terrible like voter suppression. Right. He's okay with all the horrible stuff, but he doesn't like Trump's personality. Yeah. I don't think he would think Trump is like a good. No. Like man where I think he thinks very highly of himself. Yes. Levin and whatnot. I mean, I found him. The parts I always reflect back on, like their relationships. Obviously, that's yeah. the most interesting part. So his whole heartbreak with where he's obsessed with this, with Kitty, and loved her so much, and then it just he kept trying to talk himself out of love, like as yeah. if you could do that. Like he was such the intellectual and a thinker. I mean, obviously, Dustin and Anna Kay was kind of more me. Do you know what I mean? Where Tolstoy yeah. was that. So I was like, oh, he's the nerdy one who can kind of like comment on everything. Yeah. So it wasn't. I wanted him to be likable and whatnot. So I used him as like just that same sort of moral center who could just judge kind of everyone and would give out his opinions and be neurotic because Levitt's kind of neurotic. He totally is. Yeah. He like thinks every single thing through so much and tries to convince himself. He can't admit a little bit when he's wrong, though, sometimes. Yeah, there's that scene with Varenfranski. The guy who's hitting on Kitty that oh, he, yeah. like, kicks up. <laughs> Honestly, that's Levin's strongest work. Yeah. Like, what an asshole. You ha- She's already your wife. Like, let her just get flirted with. Like, why are you being such a jerk? I think he was, like, upset because of the whole Vronsky thing, too. Because yeah. it was like he has insecure such pride and totally yeah. Yeah. insecure. Totally insecure guy yeah. vibes. Yeah. I just, I wanted to, like. Levin, like I want, I wanted to be interested in him, not like him, but I wanted to be interested in him and his politics just really irritated me. And then there's that, there's one part at the, I think it's in section eight or when they're doing that election thing. Oh yeah. A nightmare. So boring. Um, and, or maybe I can't remember exactly where it is, but he's like, I'm not a Negro. And I was like, can you just leave black people out of this fucking book? Like why? Like, how did we get dragged into this? We're in America tilling the fields we're enslaved and you're talking shit about us in your little sentence levin like leave me alone i was so mad I was like tolstoy can we have one book where you don't drag black yeah. people in like what so it went through me for a loop and it made me hate levin even, even more. more a thousand percent um what did you think of kitty i liked kitty i again like anna she just doesn't get enough time doesn't get enough time i feel like you know, I think maybe because I am a woman, I like the women characters. I'm always more predisposed to like the women characters. But I also think in classic literature, air quotes, uh, written by men, and I'm speaking a lot about Shakespeare because that's what I know a lot about. I think that the women characters are always the smartest. I think that because men can't always write women, they use women as like thematic ideas and stuff and I think that that's why the women end up being like really crafty or like really smart or really interesting in these ways it's because they don't know how to actually write humans so they use them in weird ways so it doesn't necessarily make for great interior emotional depictions but I do think it makes for interesting thinking as a reader if that makes sense that makes sense I think in that time period Men and women didn't mix company that much at all. So I don't think, I mean, besides maybe your wife, you don't really get to know women. And certainly women aren't allowed to speak about their true feelings or have any opinions on 
politics or anything else. Like no one wants to hear their opinions right. on agriculture. So the fact, one of the most modern scenes to me is when Dahlia does go to visit when Anna's living at Vronsky's estate and she's riding the horse on, you know, oh, the yeah. way a woman kind of shouldn't, but like seems grand yeah. and then really did have opinions. And because Vronsky was treating her a little bit like an equal, which she clearly never got in her marriage. So right. I did like that because he yeah. did care and she clearly was smart and interested in things. I mean, I think she was filling a gaping hole because she obviously she was right. like, couldn't go anywhere and see right. anyone. Um, talk about a, being and like, she, she was like in a global pandemic. I know. <laughs> that, which was weird. And they mentioned that a lot. And then they talked about other things in the house. And I feel like Vronsky's really cheap. That's what I, the sense that I got. Oh, really? I felt like Vronsky, his house was the grandest of all. He yeah, was spending but, money for the peasant hospital. But then it But it was all like, for her, it seemed like. There was something weird with them and money. Because then there was that whole scene where he goes through all his finances. And he's like very aware of his fine. Right? That was him. Right? Vronsky? I think. Now I can't remember. I think it was Vronsky. Well, like, there was all the paperwork with his mom, which is why he yeah. had to go and see her, etc. But he lived, had the most money. And it seemed like, you know, even that very first scene when they first met, like, him giving money to the, you know, the train theme is a big oh, right, deal, right? right? At the very opening of the book, and I did the same thing with Anna Kay, but mine was a dog, and that was a person. Uh, someone dies um, on the train where she meets um, right. Vronsky, and he, because of her, gives money to the widow. Right. And that was like how he... Right, because of her, though. I right, feel because like Vronsky of her. is cheap. Right. But because of her, yes. he was spending money in different ways. Right. But there were a few lines where it was like, Maybe something with the food wasn't like the best food or like he didn't want to splurge to oh, get. Oh, I know like, what it was. It was on the horses. They didn't give the feed for the horses yes. to come visit. Like those yeah. horses didn't get as much. There was like a few little things where I was like, oh, he's cheap. He's just like being rich. He's For like, show. Yeah. He's just showing. Like he, that's not And for spirit. her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Kitty. Yeah. I like Kitty. I guess. I Dolly st- stood out to me as the character that I really liked because she's sort of. Do you, are you familiar with Gone with the Wind? Yeah. She, yes. I mean, it's my favorite. Right. I know. Cancel me. I love Gone with the Wind. I love Gone with the um, Wind. But she's like the, uh, not the Ashley, the Melanie. Right. Where it's like, I hated Melanie as a child. I hated that character. I was like, why are you getting in the way of the love Ashley. between Scarlet and <laughs> Ashley? Like, what's wrong with you? It wasn't until I got older and realized that Scarlet and Rhett actually were the perfect couple that I realized that Ashley was a fucking dud. Yes. And he deserved to be with Melanie because she was a dud too and she was very lovely and like what a wonderful soul and I feel like that's Dolly yes like Dolly's probably sort of a dud but she was really like a kind woman and it was nice of her to to overcome her own whatever societal things to be a sister to Anna who had been a sister to her for sure when she needed it and so I I respect Dolly in that way but like probably a Melanie kind of bore fest. Yeah. I think she was like that put upon thing. It was sort of interesting though, to see her life through that lens, which is like, you know, her husband that starts the book, her husband's cheating on her Anna's brother's yeah. cheating on her. And she's so horrified. And it was like, I was, and she talks about like how she's had so many children and then she's let her looks go and it's so unfair. And it, kind of is unfair and then you know and she's very put upon and she's always scrounging for money so I really felt for her the second time I read Anna Karenina I was I think I had just gotten married so I was like 29 Mm. I think the second time and I really was like oh my god who remembered this part of the story really went into their marriage and I was like maybe I actually was married and that was my first marriage and that wasn't going well because I was like it really stuck with me that time Dolly and Steve yes their marriage yeah what's his name Stefan 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 Stephen, I'll get a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen, I'll get a guy. Oblonsky. Uh, Oblonsky. And I liked him. 
And it, I mean, it's of course like the obvious comparison is like he's cheating and living his life and nobody cares. And Anna does it. And it's like the scandal of the century. Right. Yeah. And he does what he wants. And he's like, I mean, he's the entitled fun one that yeah. just like likes everyone he's a and good hag. everyone yeah. loves him i mean i love that every time he comes in everyone's like Steve, yeah <laughs> my guy like oh you know him and he's like introducing everybody i mean he's the character that i want to be friends with i don't want to be in a relationship with no. him but like i definitely want to go out with him i want to party i want to drink one drink with him as he drinks 20 because again i'll be on the floor <laughs> but like i like him love the vibes um there's a there's one back to the politics there's one scene Act four, part four, scene 10, where they talk about women's rights. Do you remember that part? And it's like they're talking about Anna, I believe. And they're like talking about how they're kind of like someone sympathizing with her and someone is saying how she's bad. And that felt like a very much Tolstoy writing. Like there's parts of the book where it's like Tolstoy writes his opinion. Right. And like that happens in the politics section and all of that, all the commentary from Tolstoy, I did not care for. And I feel like all of the actual interactions and like the scenes as opposed to the conversations, I did care for. Right. Okay. Like, I think that's how it would break down the book like in general. I don't know. But there were a bunch of scenes where he was like expounding on his politics that I was just like, I don't care. Right. <laughs> like, I was like, mm, it's a no for me. Right. Okay, what else? We're, oh, we're almost out of time. We talked about the ending. So were you totally shocked for the ending? I mean, were you like... I knew... Well, I... You knew something was going to happen. She was, well, after I read your book... Right. I figured out what was going to happen. Right. And I knew she was going to die. And I just wanted to feel more, right. honestly. Like, not... We kind of spoiled your book, but not really. But I'm going to do it again. The end of your book, I was very emotional about what had happened. Right. And I didn't see it coming. And... There was a lot of grief from characters around the end of your book, which made me feel things. This book, there was a lot of no one's talking about this thing and I need to talk about this. And it annoyed me and made me mad. And that like, I just, I just don't think that it's right to write a book named after a character. And when they die, you just move on. Like I, I need this. I need this for my own healing. Yeah. You gotta, um, you gotta unpack it and process it. But I think that he told stories like, this is what happened. This is, you know, her story is a tragedy because it started out this one way. She made a couple wrong choices and this is the yeah. final end. And when it's over, it is over. And then these characters move on. I've forgotten that um, Vronsky tried to kill himself earlier. Oh, right. Yeah. His suicide. That was great. I, I sort of almost forgot that again. I mean, and then when I was a zombie book, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, right. I remember that. That was a surprise yeah. to me. And then, I mean, that's back to the mental health shit. Right. And like also, okay, maybe you can explain this to me because I this went over my head. You know when she is dying after having her baby? Right. And she calls for Mr. K. Right. And is desperate for him to forgive her and for them to like get back together. What the fuck was that? I think it was like she thought she was dying and she needs his forgiveness to go to heaven. Go to heaven. Possibly. But then why did she? It was just. I think she felt like I think that's also Tolstoy's wishful thinking, which is like this is how she should behave on Uh, death's door. Right. That she should beg forgiveness and she was the wrong party and she should, you know, to make either himself like her or, right. you know, to be more sympathetic is that she 
had, you know, made her vows in marriage, et cetera, and yeah. like before God and the world. And then she broke them. And now she's like begging for yeah. forgiveness on her. Yeah. Sucks. Cause you know what? It, here's what it is. I, but she flipped fast as soon as she got better, right? She, she, pretty quick. Yeah. She was like, please don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that's the other thing is like, I think Tolstoy had a version of Anna that was like, she's this badass woman. She's going to tell her husband she doesn't like him. She's going to whatever. And then he had this other version of her as like what she should have done, which is like, I'm going to apologize on death's door. And like, I'm going to tell him I don't want a divorce and all this stuff. And I wish Tolstoy would have just leaned all the way into badass Anna and just given us like, I wish he would have made her just like the wicked witch of the West. So we could have enjoyed this like woman, but he kept hedging and like, I don't know. It was like, instead of doing the horrible commentary that I hated, he decided sometimes to just have her think those things about herself, which just didn't quite work. It didn't quite work for me. Um, he might have had inner turmoil of what he thought. So maybe as you're yeah. writing, I feel like as a writer, once you start writing the characters, even the bad ones or the ones that you kind of disapprove of, you start to care about them. Right. So it is sort of maybe he was having a struggle right. with that about like his judgment. and Because I think you're right. It's like an exploration. He heard about this story in real yeah. life. He became obsessed with like what makes this woman do this. Yeah. And then, you know, and then when you find out there has to be some sympathy for like, yeah. you know, the situation. And clearly, obviously, if you're killing yourself, there's a mental health issue, which obviously right. they're not exploring. Which then. they're not dealing with yeah. back then. Yeah. No. And there were a lot. Yeah. I mean, they're everyone dealing with it now. <laughs> yeah. And everyone in the book is going through. Right. At, at the very, very least, which isn't least, but at the very least, depression. Right. And then we just take off from there. It could be all the booze. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> Cause and effect. Yeah. Um, okay. The last thing that I want to talk about sort of is translations. Okay. So you've read the book four times. Right. Did you read four different translations? I read the first time was the penguin one. Okay. Is that the one you read? No, I read the Oxford. Okay. I read the penguin one and I definitely read the modern library one. Okay. I like the penguin better because it's like more readable and like whatnot in terms of the sentences i say whatnot all the time i'm realizing okay. this um and then the audio version i don't know what version that was but know. she yeah well i so what happened for me is that i bought the oxford right and it's like mod or something trans uh louise and almar mod and they translated and I also was reading it on my Kindle and I was taking it out from my library. So I actually took out like four different versions. And sometimes I would go and read different chapters from different versions. And I discovered that the translation really matters. Like this one that I have, the Oxford, the mod, was super readable. But then there's the one that Oprah's book club did. I, I, had, I started that one and I didn't it's know why impossible. I couldn't get through it. I could not get through it. The translation is impossible. It's like a very hard read. And I did not, I was, so what happened is that because I took it out on my Kindle, sometimes I would just click a different one just right. to read sections. And I clicked that one and I could not get through the chapter. And then I switched back to my translation and I was like, oh, and it made me realize how important the translations are. And it's interesting because I looked at why Oprah picked that one. And that was because it was the most recent printing. So it was the most widely available. But then she went on to make it like this huge bestseller version. And it's like the one that keeps getting printed. But I did not think it was the best one. I started that one now that you mentioned, because I have that on my shelf too. And I started reading it again at one point in time and I couldn't get into it. And I was like, what's going on? Because I know I love this book. It was a weird thing. 
And then I kind of assumed that. And then I went back and went to a different version. I was like, oh, right. This Interesting. Is the book. See? And, and so there's an article, which I'll link to in the show notes, um, from uh, Masha Gessen, the writer. And it's all, and I shared it before on my Instagram, but it's all about different translations of Anna Karenina. And it talks about how like the first line that I guess is very famous. People told me that the first line was famous. I had no idea. Um, I'd never heard it before. Oh, you hadn't? No, I didn't know that. Um, but there's a bunch of different versions of it. There's a, multiple different translations, which I found to be really interesting. If it's such a famous line, you would think everyone would translate it the same. Um, but in this Masha Gessen article, they talk about like all these details about the translations, which I read. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. Like some people really stuck to the spirit and some people stuck to the direct translation. And I think that the version that was really hard to get through was more about the direct translation, like word for word, tense for tense kind of thing, which I guess there isn't necessarily a super easy English to Russian right. translation. But I found that interesting because I wasn't expecting it to be so different. Like I thought it would all sort of read the same. You know, I don't know. They're translating Anna Kay into Russian. I haven't seen the they cover are. anything. Yeah, that was one of the countries that bought it. So That's I'm very so curious. Obviously, I can't read Russian, so I won't know. I know. I'm so curious to see what countries pull out the sex and the drugs. Because oh. I, I think they have, have pretty wide places. Yeah. Liberties. If you pull out the sex and the drugs, what do you have? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You just have teenagers <laughs> riding horses, walking dogs, hanging out. Not just at a party at a fancy party with nothing to do right um okay so the place that we always end is about the title and the cover okay which is sort of hard to do because there's so many covers and we sort of talked about the title but um i don't think the title should have been anna karenina yeah i just i think it was a misnomer it's not really her story to me but she is the best most because he's trying to write a tragedy. So I was like that it is based on her. Because I don't think you could. My problem with a lot of the movies is that obviously it's just that's the best part. Obviously it's the Anna right. Bronsky part. So that's all they show. Right. So I feel like you need the entire scope of everyone's version of love to really get a full picture. Like a round view of like all the different types of love. Because yeah. in the end, maybe the like slower love is sort of a little bit better. Because it's like I think Levin and Kitty will ultimately have a better relationship than obviously right. Anna and. Right. Um, yeah, you know. I think he should have gone with like words, like you know, crime and punishment or whatever. Right. I think he should have gone with like love and trains. Or, you know, like <laughs> I, I just think calling it Anna Karenina is right. just—I felt cheated. Okay, that's just me. But I mean, it's a good name. It's not a great name. I think Count Vronsky, Count Vronsky and Friends, <laughs> a book by Leo Tolstoy. I don't know. I just. She's just not the main character to me. She's it's it's not really her story. Like she has so little to say. But it's just uh, I don't know. This woman on my cover is a whole vibe and a half. She's just looking at the camera like you have shit on your face. She like hates everybody. I have a little opera glasses on my cover. I thought that was salt and pepper. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's opera glasses. I mean, I don't know. The co- there's that the cover. The Oprah cover has like hands and flowers it's like or a knees but i always look at it, it looks like a butt sort of for a second oh, and then there's yeah. like flowers but it's not it's a, it, that's an odd cover there's too. a lot I, I don't know i feel like people don't know what to do with it i i sort of feel like it's a peculiar book a little bit and i it's not what i thought it was going to be and i'm glad that i read it and i and i was surprised at how easy it was to read aside from when i picked up that one translation like i right. thought it was going to be more like reading shakespeare like i struggled right i didn't really 
Like I picked it up and could read it easily. Um, he does craft a great sentence. Like, I mean, yeah. long sentences and like very descriptive in terms of details, yeah. which is what I, I think I need all those details to even care. To even and care. I was sort of interested in agriculture. I'm like weirdly not, I'm not in general, but I'm right. saying because he gave me enough, at least I was like, okay, because you gave me so much information, yeah. I kind of get it. Yeah. And I can kind of care because I need that. Yeah. Like same thing about like sci-fi or fantasy. Totally. Like I need you to make an entire To world. make a world. Yeah. I, as much as I didn't care for Levin's politics, I was interested in the politics stuff. Like I was interested in the arguments that were being crafted. I just found that Levin was on the side that I was not right wanting on. to be on. But like I was, I was not that interested in the agriculture, but I was interested in the politics and like the social norms stuff. And I, I think you're right. Like there's a lot of interesting stuff in the book. To me, it was just like with it being called Anna Karenina, it just felt like, a misnomer and so I think I went in thinking I was getting one thing and instead I got right a lot of other it's things like a bad trailer for you <laughs> yeah exactly that's exactly right it was like if I had no if it had been called you know love affairs on the p- political express I would have been like that's all the things I need I've got politics trains a love affair I'm clear what's happening right. so I don't I mean you know and again Everyone who's listening or most people are listening. No, I'm not really into fiction. So like for a fiction book to really grab me and make me feel like this is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It's it's got to do something really great. Right. You know, and you need more. Yeah. And, you know, I read a Russian I read a Russian classic. I can check it off my bucket list and I never have to do it again. You never do. And I got to talk to someone fun with about because that was the other fear. I was like, what if I read this book and then I have to talk to like a scholar about like Russian agriculture? I'd rather die. So, you know, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Thanks for having me. No, it's so fun to see someone read it. And also that I'm like happy that you wanted to read it because you read Anna Kay because I was like, oh, that's the whole point. Maybe people read Anna Kay and then they'll like level up because it's much more difficult. I definitely (laughs) think that people who re- I-, I wanted to read Anna Karenina because of you a thousand percent right. because I did not want to read I didn't actually it wasn't really on my bucket list right but now I've done it so I'm adding it to the bucket list just so I can check it off yeah you should be proud <laughs> I mean it is one of those books that it's like oh yeah I mean you it's also it. like I'm so glad that you did a modern retelling because I do feel like it is right right for modern like I I do understand why the book has lasted so long. Right. I think that there, I think you could have a modern version of this book every 20 years, every 30 years, and it would be fun and interesting, right? Like the 1980s version of this book would have right. been great. Like, And to 19- do a full true one with just adults. And so you do the whole story. Yeah. But then I was like, you know, I had thought about that, but I was like worried because I was like, you don't, do you really need, do we really need that one? No. I didn't, you know. No, I think I like what you did. But I, I just think like you could do a 1950s yeah. version of this. You could do a Victorian version of this. Right. You could do, you know, it's a good story. Yeah. It's, it's a, a good, good story. Yeah. And he got everyone intertwined. It definitely, yeah. that part, like, which I condensed yeah. down, it really did plot wise just it, kind of yeah. work together. I would have liked more of Anna and Levin in the same place at the same time. Because that would have made... That Tolstoy was a good had. scene, wasn't that was it? A good scene. Yeah, when he was like kind of like, and she wanted him to like like her. Like her. She I know. was trying so hard. Yeah, and he and he did like her. He did. Like that was a very real female who is insecure and wants mm-hmm. and knows that she also took another guy from Kitty. Yeah, yeah, and it was very complicated. Though. Yeah, there are these really great scenes yeah. that Tolstoy writes for Anna. 
again, I think the scenes that happened, I really liked. It was the commentary, like the inner monologue stuff that I did not care for. And that, my friends, is why he should have had an editor who told him to cut all that shit. And it would have been a 200-page novel and we all would be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, I think that we're done. We probably could do this for like seven hours, but <laughs> I know that nobody wants to listen to the seven-hour podcast on Anna Karenina, uh, a spinoff show. But um, if you have not yet read Anna Kay and now Anna Kay Away, they're both in the world. Sorry if we spoiled Anna Kay a little bit. We didn't We didn't really tell you, but like if you read Anna Karenina, you know someone's going to die. Right. So what are we talking about? Um, but get Jenny's books wherever you get your books. Jenny, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. In person. I know. It's so exciting. And now we're going to eat cake. Yes. So excited. So much cake. Susie Cakes, we love you. Please sponsor this podcast. (laughs) Um, All right, everybody. And we will see you in the sacks. Thank you all so much for listening and for reading along with us. And of course, a huge thank you to Jenny Lee for being my guest. Our June book club pick is The Undying, A Meditation on Modern Illness by Anne Boyer. This book won the Pulitzer Prize in nonfiction in 2020. So you know it's good. We will discuss the book on Wednesday, June 30th, and you can tune in next Wednesday to find out who our guest will be. Please make sure you're subscribed to The Stacks wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media, The Stacks Podcast on Instagram and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. And you can check out our website at thestackspodcast.com. Sebastian Alcala is our sound editor and producer. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagiragis. The Stacks is created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas.